was a, a young, this was in the paper just a few weeks ago, about a young up-and-coming politician in Hungary. And he's become, it's, it's really strange, he's become very popular over there uh, because of his anti-Semitic views. And he's blamed everything, the economy, everything that's going wrong over in that country on uh, the, the Jewish race, the Jewish religion. Now, what was interesting is they caught this man on tape talking to a convicted felon, and as they were talking to him, or as he was talking to him, he was telling the politician, he said, if you don't pay me this amount of money, I'm going to release this information about you. Now, the information was interesting. What it, the information uh, said that this politician himself was actually Jewish. And they found out that his grandmother was an Auschwitz survivor. His grandfather had been in a forced labor camp. Now, I'm sitting there, and I'm reading this story, and I'm like, is that bizarre to y'all? I mean, a guy who is an anti-Semite is actually a Jewish person himself. And so his career has obviously, it is tanking right now. But I, I thought about that, and I thought it just it reminded me of an important lesson or important, an important truth that's really it's true for all of us. And that is, it doesn't take a whole lot to hide who you really are. And it doesn't take a whole lot to put on all kinds of fronts so that you can trick and fool people about who you are at your very core. Now, I believe if you really want to, to know who someone is, all you have to do is just get a glimpse into their, the, the life, their lives in their homes. And I started thinking, can you imagine what it would be like? Y'all know that show, I think it's called uh, uh, Big Brother, you know, where they, they, there's the cameras always on. Can you imagine in your own family having a reality show 24 hours a day just about you and your family in your house? Now, on the surface, you think, well, that'd be kind of cool. But then you start thinking, 24 hours a day? Man, people would really start finding out what I'm really like. And so my question for you is, if, if the world could get a glimpse of your life inside of your home 24 hours a day, what kind of a picture do you think would be painted about you? As I thought about that, that made me a little bit nervous but as I look into our text today, I see that Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Ephesians, shares with us what people ought to be able to see in your home if they were just able to get a glimpse into your home life. And so if you have your Bible, I, I, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And today our focus is going to be on Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. And so if you have your Bible and you're still, uh, we've been in this book since uh, uh, at the beginning of summer, so hopefully you're kind of figuring out where it is, but if you're not sure yet, just go all the way to the right, then turn left a little bit, and you're going to run into the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians 6, verse number 1, uh, again, the first three chapters of this book really deal with theology, and then the last three chapters deal with application, uh, putting your theology into practice. And that's, that is vitally important for us as believers. We can't just say, hey, this is what I believe, but it doesn't affect the way I live. But we have to say that this is what God's Word says, and this is how it plays out in my life. And the way that it's to play out in our lives, according to our context today, is that our theology, what we say we believe in, is to be something that should be seen also in our homes. 
And so Paul shares with us today a few things people ought to see in your home life if they were just able to get a glimpse of it. So what should people be able to observe in our homes? All right, when we start off, y'all, this, I'm, this is fun right here, this first part. Uh, what, what people should be able to see in your home as believers, those of us who are believers, listen to this, this is fun. My kids aren't here yet. They'll be here the second service. They should, we should be able to see obedient children. Can I get an amen for that? Yes, sir, baby. Uh, obedient children. Now you say, now, are you just because you're a dad, are you making this stuff up? Let's just look and see what the Bible says, okay? So this is fun for me. I can say, hey, don't get mad at me. Let's just look at what God says. If you get mad at anybody, get mad at God. Don't get mad at me. Now, chapter 6, verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Obviously, I love verse number one. Children, be obedient to your parents. I think every kid ought to have that verse tattooed on his forehead. Now, that is just a great verse. Now, when I was a kid, I would have disagreed with that. But the fact of the matter is the Bible says that obedience of children is something that ought to be seen inside the home. Now, as I say that, this is something that is interesting to me. If you have your Bible, I want you to look, just look at that very first verse again. And what you'll notice is who this verse is addressed to. Who is the primary uh, recipient of this message? Who is it? Yeah, it's, it's the kids. Now, it's not that, that parents, and sometimes as parents we can get on this power trip and think we are to make our children be obedient to us. How well does that work out for you? You know, making anybody do anything. But what I notice is that the onus is on the children. Kids, for those of you who are kids in here, and there's a few of you, Hannah family, this is fun. I mean, y'all just right here. I get to do this with my kids next. The Butler family, it's all right. Y'all ready? It's your responsibility to be obedient to your parents. Now, now you can't say, I'm not a child anymore. I'm seven years old. You know, I'm not a child anymore. I'm, I'm 17. You, you might have some marks of maturity in your life, but the marks of spiritual maturity in your life as a Christian is children, you are to be obedient to your parents. Now, I, I obviously have parents. My parents are still living. Does that verse apply to me as well? It says, I am to obey and, and honor my parents. Now, there's a little side note that's interesting here. Back in chapter 5, it tells us that whenever we get married, that we are no longer under the authority of our parents. But that doesn't mean that I'm ever to stop honoring my parents. The word children in our text, it is not referring to little kids. It's not referring to toddlers and teenagers. It's referring to offspring. You know, we, we are always somebody's children. And so whether you're 10 or you're 50 years old, you are to honor your parents. It's part of the Ten Commandments as well. We're to honor our father and mother. Now, for today's focus, I just want to talk especially to those children who are still living under the roofs of their parents. We are told that children are to obey their parents. Now, that word obey is interesting. It means to hear under. To hear under. Now, now what does that mean? 
Well, it actually means that we are to be attentive to the instructions of our parents, and then we are to respond positively to their instruction. I can't wait for my kids to be in the second service, because what that's going to mean for me is that whenever I tell my kids, whenever I tell Hank and Glenn, hey, you get outside and you rake the yard, and because we're getting ready to have raking season soon, and you go outside and you, you mow the yard. Now, what's going to be great is I'm going to expect them to attentively listen to me and then to respond positively. This is fun. Now, the question is, now, why in the world is that the mark of a believer's home? Well, parents, this is a reminder to us that, that we have a huge responsibility as parents. And our responsibility as parents is we are to stand in the gap between our children and God. That we are to give them instruction and leadership. Why? So, so that they'll know who God is. So that they'll see that our faith is practiced in the home. We're told in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7, it says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. The desire of every Christian parent is to one day see their children become followers of God. Man, our desire as parents is to see our children discover there's a God who loves them and there's a God who's worth living for. Now, for you children who are still living at home, let me tell you something. When you show honor and obedience to your parents at home, this is really neat. You're not just showing honor and obedience to your parents. You're showing honor and obedience to God. When you honor and respect your parents, you are honoring and respecting God. Colossians 3.20 says, Be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now you might say, what if my parents call me to do something that, that goes against Scripture? It's a different issue. And what we can, we're going to talk in just a few moments that, that, about the parents. And I'm not just talking about children today. Parents, we have a responsibility as well. But the glimpse into a Christian home, we, we should see children being obedient to their parents. And that's a great witness. And our world needs to see unity and faithfulness and harmony in the house. That's what a Christian home should look like. There should be obedience there. When I was a... Uh, when I was a kid, probably my all-time favorite quarterback was for the Dallas Cowboys, Roger Stahlback. Uh, for those of you who are you know, older than, I guess, maybe 30, y'all remember Roger Stahlback. I mean, my favorite quarterback led the Cowboys to five Super Bowls. Tom Landry was his coach. Really smart guy. He was a Naval Academy grad and uh, really smart. He always wanted to call his own place. Did you know he never called his own place? Tom Landry, the head coach, called every single play, and it really irritated Roger Stahlback for a number of years. It's like, I'm smart enough to call my own place. But here's what he had to say years later. He said, I faced up to the issue of obedience, and once I learned to obey, he said there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Young people, when we are willing to be obedient to our Lord, there can be harmony, victory, and fulfillment.
So whenever we look into the home of a believer, what, what should we see? The first thing we should see is obedient children. Okay, now that, that's, that part for us parents, that's fun. We're like, amen and amen. But we have a responsibility as well. Whenever we look into the home, if there's a closed-circuit camera in your house, a glimpse of your home should show something else, and that is steady fathers. And this also applies to mothers, but the text says fathers. We should be able to see consistency with mom and dad. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 4. It says, And fathers don't stir up anger in your children. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, this is a very foreign concept to the people that Paul was writing to. Paul was writing to the people who were part of the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire during this time, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. In the Roman Empire, the father had command of the house. And I'm, when I say command, I'm not talking about he's not, not just a leader. He was a man who was able to have, he, he literally had the power of life and death in his house. He could buy, sell, trade, abuse, kill anybody in his house that he wanted to and not be held accountable for it. Now, is that scary? That is frightening. Now, this is what's so interesting about our faith. A lot of people talk about the Christian faith, though it's antiquated, you know, it was, uh, it's uh, old-fashioned, it's not, it's not pro, it's, it's very pro-man, it's, it denigrates women, it's, you know, it puts men in these you know, big-time leadership positions and it just beats down everybody else. It, that, that is absolutely not true. The world did that. God's word is totally different. It's really interesting. God's word shows freedom for people. As a matter of fact, Paul said, Fathers, you are not to stir up anger in your children. Okay, now that was a, that was a very foreign concept to the people being written to because a father had the power of life and death in his family. Now, if I lived in this day, I'd be looking at that and saying, Well, I'll tell you what. My kids better not stir up anger in me. Because i got the power of life and death over them, right? And yet Paul says, parents, don't stir up anger in your children. What's he talking about? He's saying that in the home, there is to be a loving relationship between mom and dad and their children. We don't own our children. Our children are a gift of God to us, and we are merely stewards of our kids. In Psalm 127.3, it says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward. Totally contrary to the culture of the day. So what does that mean? It means it's important that we take care of and introduce our children to a God who loves them. And if we're going to be effective at communicating our faith to our kids, we better make sure that we are applying what God's Word says to our own lives. Because you know what I've discovered? I've discovered kids are smarter than we give them credit for. I guarantee you, you know, you might think you got your kids fooled. Your kids have a radar that's built into them when they know that you are genuine and when they know that you're full of bull. Our kids know that. They can tell by the way that we live what we find to be important and what we don't find to be all that important. That's why it's imperative Moms and dads, that we are steady when it comes to our faith because our kids are not going to respect our beliefs if we say one thing and then we live in another way. There's a famous painting of a man, and uh, he's an elderly man, and he's, uh, you, I'm sure you've seen it before. I, I'm terrible at describing things. Uh, Emily will say, well, what did they look like? And I'm like, you know, they, she's got brown hair 
and she's white. You know, I mean, I'm just not good at describing people at all. So I'm not going to describe the painting to you other than to say this. Uh, it's a picture of an old man, and he's, he, it looks like he is in, just bowing in prayer. And he's got his head down, and it looks really spiritual, but as you get close to the painting, and the, the, the painter did this on purpose, the man has a lemon in between his two hands, and he's squeezing the lemon into a bowl. And I think for a lot of kids, when they look at us, from a distance, we look good. And parents, we can look pious and spiritual, but as our kids live with us day in and day out, oftentimes what they see is that we are merely squeezing a lemon into a bowl. Now, obviously, no one's perfect. Parents, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things and do things that are hypocritical. We're going to lash out at our children. But Paul says, he says, do not stir up your children to anger. That word stir, it means to exasperate. Do not exasperate your children. So if we're not supposed to exasperate them. We are to do the opposite. The opposite of the word exasperate is to encourage. Now, how do we encourage our children? The way we speak. How do you speak to your kids? You know, we, we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. No, no, no unwholesome word is to proceed from our mouths. We are to use our speech in order to build people up, to encourage our children, to point them in the right direction. Not for you, there's that old saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's such a great little saying. And, and words, they don't break your bones. Let me tell you something, words can break your heart. And they can break your heart, especially when it, whenever it comes from people that you care about or that you find important. And, and parents, I think we can be well-intentioned here, but there's many times when we use our words and we, we tear down our children. We have to be so careful in the way that we speak because we want our mouths to encourage and we want our mouths to direct our children to God who loves our kids. So if, if, if people were able to peek into your house, what do they see? If they were to peek into your house, Paul says one thing that they should see in your house, they should, obedient children. Kids, that, that's on you. They should see steadiness, steady fathers, steady mothers. And that's the last thing I want you to see. They should also see spiritual instruction taking place in your house. Now what's the Bible say? Well, look in verse number 4. In verse 4 it says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, this is something that's interesting to me. When our kids are born, parents, did y'all notice that there was not an owner's manual that came with your kids? Uh, whenever we had our first, our first child, our oldest child, he just turned 18 yesterday. And whenever, whenever Hank was born, uh, Emily was 23 and I was 25. Y'all, and from my point, I, I knew, I said, now you can still argue, I did not, I don't know diddly about kids. I had never, I'd re- never really held a kid before. I'd never changed a diaper. I, did, I didn't know you had to burp kids. I, mean, I had no idea what to do with children. And not only that, when we finally, we had our first kid, y'all, I was so hard on our first kid, Hank. I gave, I guarantee you, I gave Hank more spankings in his first three years of life than I did our other two children combined up to this point um janie she's my youngest child she's 11 years old she's got it easy uh, with me you know and i don't know if that's because i know how to handle kids better or because i'm old and tired and i'm afraid it's the latter 
And you know, whenever uh, whenever Hank was little, he could he could look at his mother and kind of you know, and might might even grimace at her. And I was on him like white on rice. I would tear him up. Janie, I mean, she could be standing on top of a table, tap dancing, juggling knives. And I'm going to walk in and say, "Hey, after you cut yourself, be sure to clean up your blood." I mean, it's it's not that bad, but you know, it's it's just it's just one of those things. As, as time goes by, I'm, I feel like I'm I can be really lax. Now, Paul gives us instruction on how we are to bring up our children. He says we are to train them in the instruction of the Lord, and that word training it refers to systematic training, consistently talking about the Lord to our kids, consistently holding them to a pattern of righteousness in their lives. It's talking about disciplining our, kid, disciplining our kids when there's been wrongdoing. Proverbs 13.24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. That sounds good. But what, what do we base this, all this stuff we're talking about on? We base it on Scripture. You know, the, the best manual and instruction book for family life is right here. Now you think about the things that the Bible teaches us. It teaches us to, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. It, 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 that right there is just simply letting us know we need to be aware of this. Guys, the world does not revolve around you or me. To understand, it, it, this is God's world. And the way we live is for Him. It's not for me. We're living here to honor God. What else does Scripture say? It says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's a reminder that we are not to be selfish and self-centered. We are to focus our attentions also on other people. The Bible teaches us to work hard, not to be idle, to be productive. It teaches us that we're sinful, that we're in desperate need of a God, that we need a Redeemer. Because on our own, we're in trouble. And all this comes from Scripture. And to hammer this point home with our kids, they need somebody demonstrating to them the importance of God's Word. And they need to see us as parents making sure that everything in our lives bows down to the leadership of God. If our faith is going to make a difference in our lives and the lives of our children, let me tell you something, everything is to be submissive to the leadership of God. Now, I think a lot of us, we know this, but when it comes to putting it into practice, it's a whole different ballgame. And I'm going to, you know, there's, I can be specific about some things, and this, is, and this stuff's convicting to me as well. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching, about, y'all don't think that I'm just up here just trying to, you know, beat the thunder out of y'all. I mean, sometimes I might feel like it, but uh, you know, this stuff's for me too, because I'm just like you guys. And I, I look and I see, you know, how, how we practice our faith. And I, I know this, I know that that God tells us that he is, would you all agree with me, just in, even if you don't, if you don't agree, don't, just don't nod your head, but don't you, this, do you understand that, that God is to be preeminent in our lives, right? Does that make sense? Okay, and you're thinking, well, of course he's going to say that we're in church, yeah, but if, if you're a believer, we already know this, and yet, in, in actuality, how true is that in our lives? And there's so many things, you know, instead of us bowing down to God, a lot of ways we expect God to bow down to us. And parents, I see us putting so many things, bowing, making, making God, the things of God, bow down 
to our activities, to our children's activities. Man, that's not, that's not giving any kind of a witness to our kids. Our kids need to know that what is pri- who is pri- preeminent in our lives is God. And I promise you, you will not go wrong if you bow down your lives and your activities to the things of God. One of the greatest things, parents, that you can do, and I'm not saying this just because I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, I promise you, I'm not just saying that because of that reason. One of the best things you can do is to bring your children faithfully into the church, into this building, so we can corporately worship. Why? Because, for one, it gives the example to your children that God's more important than anything else. It gives the example to your children that you're willing to take the first part of your week and say, Lord, I acknowledge and worship you. And your kids will notice that. So when I look into the scripture, I think, what if people were able to get a glimpse into our home life? What would they see? if, If you had a reality show, what would your home life say about you? Let me share with you some things people ought to be able to see. They ought to be able to see obedient children, steady fathers, and spiritual instruction. Families, we are in need of an awakening of God in our homes today. And Paul gives us instruction on what should be seen. They might say, some of those things, those things, are my, those things happen in my house. And if that's you, God bless you. That is awesome. And my guess is, for a lot of us, I don't see that much in my house. Well, you have an idea of what you ought to be striving for. But I want you to know that, that it really begins, if it's going to happen in your house, it begins with you, first of all, bowing your life before Creator God and saying, God, I need you, and I need your leaders.